This is the GPL Podcast from GopherPuckLive.com. This podcast is sponsored by Jerry Peters and First Class Mortgage. Our expertise, your peace of mind. Visit us at FirstClassMortgage.com. Now let's start the show with your hosts, Jupiter and Vigo. Good evening and welcome to the GPL Podcast, episode number 197. Well, Vigs, it was a interesting weekend. We've got a lot to talk about. Oh. I, th- I think we should just bring on our guest because I'm sure he's going to have a lot of insight on what may have happened this past weekend. What, what, what do you think? Maybe just a little bit. He's kind of an expert on NCHC hockey and, and the way the game's played. Our guest this week is, is Bruce Siski, the voice of the Bulldogs. And there he is, Bruce. How are you doing, man? What's going on, fellas? Good to be back. Oh, it's nice to have you back. It's your second uh, time on the show. We're glad to have you. But it feels like about 15 or 20. So. Oh, jeez. Well, you know what? It's it's great because you you all you interact with all the fans on Twitter, even us little Gopher fans. And uh, uh, over the years, we've ribbed each other, and we, all, we we just have a fun with each other. And mm-hmm. it's just it's been that way. And people are like, oh, what are you doing? And I'm like, that's just what we do. We have fun. Isn't this, at the core, isn't this supposed to be fun? Yes. Totally. I, I, I know. Shocking, like, revelation <laughs> that somebody would try to have fun doing this. Honestly. Uh, you know, I had the little intro picture of you waving at me from the last time we were up in Duluth. And you know, it's just, I just like to have fun with it. You know, I had somebody saying, oh, how could you bring on Bruce? I don't like him at all. I'm like going, really? What happened to the other picture I sent you? Yeah. Anyway, Vigs, he sent me a picture of him holding, holding up the national title trophy. Yeah. 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 It's nice to see those uh, distributed around the state of Minnesota. You know, maybe, maybe more teams. I would agree. Maybe I more teams agree. in the state could go ahead and win a title, right? Oh, well, I'd be fine if we just won the rest of them. It's fine. You know? It doesn't wow. get old. I promise you that. No, it doesn't get old. It definitely no. doesn't get old. Everyone's well, been a little bit different. Both of our squads, the Bulldogs and the Gophers, had quite adventurous weekends. Let's start with the, the Gophers, Vigs, St. Cloud State, home and home. Whew, that was some fun hockey, barring the controversial end. Even the controversial end was fun, but but I do think <laughs> that we saw the potential of this year's gopher hockey team. We saw them be fast. We saw them get hard on the forecheck. We saw some goal scoring from them, good special teams for the most part, pretty good goaltending when it mattered. You know, is is exciting hockey. You know, it's that 45 seconds of hell that Bob Otsko wants to play in D1 hockey. And we saw some of that for a lot of the weekend. Again, turnovers. It's it's the one thing that, that really hurts gopher hockey when they're trying to force the game and force the game and, and create offense when maybe it's not there. And that really cost them. It certainly did. And, you know, we'll get to the controversy here in a bit. But uh, on the other side, the dogs uh, held the, the, the was the icebreaker up there at Amsoil, the uh, tournament that Minnesota was supposed to be in, but then had to back out of once it was delayed a year. Oh, wow. <laughs> But Minnesota's replacement was a pretty good team there, Bruce. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Um, I'll just say it like this. I was I was prepared for a very good team. I knew Michigan was good. I did not expect the maturity that I saw from the young guys on that team. Uh, they had a couple different points in the weekend. You know, Scott Stanley likes to talk about you know, things go one of two ways. They had a few of those moments Michigan did. They fell behind early against us. They weren't playing well. They had nothing going. I think shots were nine zip at one point. Uh, then in the championship game against Minnesota State, Ryan Sandlin, I didn't think I've heard that name before, uh, scored a power play goal late in the second period. They had a two to one lead going into the third. And, you know, all the momentum at that point is with Minnesota State. They were playing their game, they were playing very well. And Michigan came out in the third, put up two when they won. You know, they, they, they put the, throat, the foot on the throat against us as soon as Noah Cates got kicked out of the game. You know, that's a sign of a really good mature team. They got a good young old mix on that Michigan squad. They got good leadership. Of course, Mel's a great coach. We all know that. So it'll be a really interesting race, I think, in the Big Ten. 
Well, I know it's going to be fun. I mean, you guys had a great weekend up there, and then obviously down here, great hockey. It, it, it was it was just a highly skilled series, Vigs, that unfortunately ended rather badly, not for the Gophers, but badly just for what should have been called. Well, there, there is a little <laughs> bit of debate on what should have been called, and it's always <laughs> hard to tell in these in these hockey games how difficult it is to make these calls. You know, we saw a couple of plays earlier before the overtime where maybe some St. Cloud players went down a little bit easy on the Walker penalty and the Myers penalty and kind of baited the officials into a call. And so then when you get in the overtime situation, you know, maybe it's like fool me once, fool me twice, not, not fool me again, you know, and maybe that's <laughs> a little bit in the ref's mind about how things are going. And at that point, you know, if he does call two and two, it's three on three OT. So it's just going to stay three on three OT. You know, it's not really a big impact unless somebody stops playing. You know, that's something that, that can be out there too. It was distracting to the end of the game. I think what's even more distracting is what's going on between the, the coaches and the players and things that came after the game, where you've got Nolan Walker saying someone from the team apologized about the way it ended and maybe the blown call you've got Bob calling out Nick Perbix <laughs> in his post game audio, which he later apologized for, but you know, hockey is a game of good calls and bad calls. We've seen a lot of those in uh university of Minnesota and university of Minnesota Duluth happen over the years too. And you know, in the end it is probably going to even out. No ref goes into a game thinking I want to blow this call. So it's it's very unusual for a league to make a statement like the NCHC did. After I, I think as well. the I think there was a lot of pressure, um, even if it was just social media pressure. I think there was a lot of pressure on the league to to say something because of the magnitude of what happened. Um, if you go back and watch that clip, though, what I think is interesting, and, and I'll st- I'll stand up for one guy in, in our league. It's Tommy Stearns. He's darn good a ref, good guy, and he was the guy in the corner. If you go back and watch that clip, he is no chance of being able to see the jersey of Nick Perbix being tugged because he is standing where Nick Perbix is facing him head on. He can't see behind Nick Perbix where Blake McLaughlin is pulling on his jersey. So all he sees is the sticks out and Perbix falls down. And he might be thinking exactly what Vig said, where we've already seen a couple possible dives that we call penalties in this game. I'm not going to do that here mm-hmm. and potentially decide the game in overtime. And I can't speak for the other ref was out in the neutral zone and, and what he saw or didn't see, but it's pretty clear to me watching that Tommy Stearns did not see the tug on the jersey. And if you didn't see it as a referee, as you guys know, you aren't supposed to call what you don't see. You're not yeah. supposed to assume that something happened that you didn't see happen. Well, I actually have the clip here. I know for people watching you, Bill, to, to watch it, uh, people listening a little later, well, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen it somewhere. Come on. Yeah, you definitely can see it. Here's, here's, here's what happened. And they do. Uh, Hedges for St. Cloud Walker from Minnesota. Oh, 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 come on. How do they not call Are you kidding me? Here's McLaughlin walking in. Ran over by perfect. Sammy Walker scores and wins it. Ooh. Well, that's uh, that that shows it there. Um, yes, the ref in the corner. He the, the the only problem I had with that, Bruce, is the ref in the corner did point as if he was diving. I'm like, right, okay, if you're if you're, is, yeah, if you're if you're if you're going to do that, is it yeah. wouldn't that be a penalty if you if he's even marking? Hey, you're taking a dive. Wouldn't that be a penalty? When's the last time you saw a diving called by itself? Yeah. I'm just being honest. I mean, oh, yeah. not, it doesn't happen. So oh, yeah. if you didn't see what led to the dive, which was in this case, it wasn't a dive, obviously. Nick Perbix did not dive. Let me make that clear. But no. if you think that he dove, because, you know, Blake's stick is out. If you watch that clip, if you think maybe it was a little tug and Perbix fell it and said, I'm just going to go flying, then you didn't see, though, the stick tug. So you don't know what happened. Again, you're not supposed to call what you don't see, and you never, yeah. nobody ever calls diving by itself, and they're certainly not going to start doing it in overtime. No diving Hello. by itself. We wish we could have seen that in the past with old Jeremy Earl there, uh, Viggs. <laughs> I do think embellishment should be called, though. 
I, I agree. Think I, I, I want that out of the game. We, we've yep. seen it throughout the history of hockey. Players taking it too too far, and it the really impacts the game, it, and it makes it difficult. I, I, the problem with it is that it is very difficult, to me at least, to legislate, especially live action. You know, the NHL tries to go back and, and say, you know, well, we've got the clip, so-and-so took a dive. It's a $2,000 fine that escalates to a potential suspension. I just don't know how you can ask these amateur hockey officials to legislate something like that in real time with no benefit of replay, and I don't want them looking at that on replay. I, I, I don't need to go yeah. team up any more than already is. Here, here's a slightly different call of that uh, same uh, instant. Nick Perbix. Oh, he rounds the net. There's no penalty calls. He's hooked to the ice. Gophers get the puck. How do you not call that? Now in front, Walker says he scores. The Gophers win. And the officials just blew it. Totally blew it. <laughs> the officials just blew it. Um, you know, obviously, Bruce, you know what it's like. Um, you obviously, you're the announcer for the Bulldogs. You're going to be more homer for them. But yeah. in this in this instance, Wally's almost like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> that Did that just happen? <laughs> yeah. I've never been there in that spot at the end of a game. I've been there during games. Or you, I, I can't believe they just called that on the other team. And I'll be honest about it. I, I figure the audience needs to know that that was a bad call. Whether it goes for or against mm-hmm. the team that they want to win doesn't matter. My job's not to to edit that out of it. So, you know, it it's... Or, or to try to defend a bad call. If I know it's a bad call, I'm going to say it's a bad call. I don't care who it's on. <laughs> Plus, the I have ex- no credibility if I don't say, you know, if, if something goes against the Gophers I don't agree with, I, I have no credibility if I just if I just decide to ignore that. Of course, some yeah. would say I have no credibility anyway, but whatever. <laughs> Let's put a cap on it, Viggs. What can you say? I mean, you know, Moscow did come back today and says, he, I don't know if anyone saw that. No one saw it. Well, everyone on camera who saw it on TV had the right angle. Uh, we don't know where the second, I don't, I don't remember where the second referee was. He may have been on that same side of the ice. Who knows? Uh, he was probably out in the neutral zone no matter what. I, I, I don't yeah. know exactly where he was, but he was not in, he was not certainly not in the zone. Viggs, is there something to say about uh, they kept playing? It's, it ended up think. being it, it ended up being two on three, and ended up being a one on zero oh with Walker in front of the net scoring the winning goal. Yeah, I think St. Cloud just lost their composure there at the end. You know, they did kind of play it and they switched who they were covering in three on three. You know, in the NHL, they actually practice a lot of man to man coverage in those situations, so you get used to it. So when it does happen, you know how to switch guys and, and continue to play defense. They didn't do that there. They just passed the guy off and let him go to the net. And I kind of feel like if it was a flip call, you know, I think Wally would have been like, what is he doing? He's letting that guy go to the net all by himself. You know, he would just be like, you got to keep playing. I, I feel like that would have been the, the take from from him if the if the roles were reversed and he was calling the St. Cloud game. I, I tell you one thing, though, Bruce, uh, those St. Cloud players will never do that again. They will play till the no. whistle. Yeah, absolutely. It's a that's a lesson that will be uh, reminded to them every time that they're showing that clip. I'm sure it was brought up all week, um, and that it, both things can be true. That could be a bad miss by the officials, which it was, and St. Cloud needs to learn from that to play to the whistle. And there was no whistle. I mean, you know, if you watch it again, Blake McLaughlin stopped for a second too. <laughs> he, he was he was convinced. he was looking around, was going, "Where's the whistle?" <laughs> certain that as soon as he touched that puck, he was going to go sit for two minutes or less. And when he, as soon as he realized there was no arm in the air, he's like, no, okay, I'll take the puck and go play. You know, I, I do think Blake looks and goes, he dove, you know, maybe, maybe <laughs> he he's like, he he's dove. Like that. Yeah, uh, maybe. I, I mean, that's, that's one thing I think of when I see Blake make that reaction. He's like, I didn't pull him that hard. And that's why, as I teased the podcast today, I, I pulled that picture of Perbix falling chasing a puck back on uh, the power play from friday night because <laughs> you know ice is slippery you know you catch an edge <laughs> it's easy to go down it doesn't necessarily take a jersey pole to lose your edge you know there's it's complicated yeah and, and you can't blame the players it they you just got to keep playing they won this time it, it is unfortunately purely on the refs you can understand why you missed it in that instance, uh, the, the guy in the neutral zone should have called it. What can you do? 
And yes, I messed up his name. It's Robbie Earl, not Jeremy Earl. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't catch that. I'm so mad at myself. Oh, jeez. Oh, 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 yeah. I already, I already had people saying Jeremy Earl. Oh. I've been joke for all those years, and I completely forgot the guy's name. And he played for the Wild for crying out loud. Dove for the Wild. He did that too. Yeah. He, I'm sorry, he was bad. I'm. When you have people bringing diver down flags to the rink, you've, you've got a little <laughs> bit of a reputation. But I just want to say, you know, after all this, it only costs St. Cloud five percent of a win. You know, once it gets into overtime, yeah, you know, it's a fifty-five percent of a win to the winning team yeah. and forty-five percent of a win to the losing team. You know, the players got really emotional about it, and I think Bob's even trying to pump the tires. He's like, each team got a win. Well, not really. You nope. know, you go yeah. to overtime, you know, you lose that 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 half win basically. Yeah, and I think it's uh, on the other side of it. I think from an emotional standpoint, it's just it's easy to forget that, you know, especially when it's a new thing. These kids aren't thinking about, you know, getting an extra 5% of a win when they go out there for overtime against the Gophers, especially they're thinking about beating the Gophers. And, you know, they'd have beat them, it would have been a sweep. And, yes, it would have been, you know, whatever the percentages line up to be for those two games for a sweep, but it still would have been a sweep in St. Cloud's eyes and those players' eyes. So I get that part of it, too. So, uh, obviously, you guys had Michigan up there uh, this weekend. Can you give us more of a scout on that team? Because Do I have to? Yeah, you do, because oh. people saying, hey, they're the paper champions, but you know what? They're putting it together awfully quick here. They've been behind in games. They've come back. They've blown out teams. Um, they're pretty disciplined for being so young. They are. Um, you know, and they – I said, as soon as Noah Cates got kicked out of that game on Friday, you know, they, they saw that the door cracked open, they kicked it down and mm-hmm. they did not look back. And that's, that's a credit to them for sure. The other thing that I would say about Michigan is, you know, you hear all about Owen power and you hear about Maddie Beneers and trust me, they're both good. Beneers was especially good this past weekend. Ken Johnson was the best player on the ice last Friday against us. And it might not have been close. And Luke Hughes was, was the best defenseman on the ice last weekend in both games, I thought. And I didn't think it was very close. Luke Hughes was phenomenal. Um, they're both very, very good. You know, you throw in all the uh, – Brisson, who was a, a first-round pick last year, and he had a great weekend. I, you, they just, they've got depth. They've got that young old mix. I already mentioned that. And, and, you know, they're older guys. They play roles. They kill penalties. They're, you know, they got leaders. And – you know, Nick Blankenberg's a great defensive partner for Owen Power, smaller defenseman. He can really move. He's got a good shot. He's a smart player. Owen Power's going to learn playing with him. I, I think it's just, it, it's almost the perfect storm in, in how that team is built. And, and I would, my one concern with them is if one of these guys gets hurt, do they start thinking too much about what's next? You know, do they, yeah. does their eye come off the target because something happened? They don't, nobody wants to screw this up. And I certainly understand that, but that one foot out the door thing, which could happen really at any point is about the only thing that I, I think trips Michigan outside of maybe goaltending, but Portillo had a really good weekend. He's their guy. I, if, if his game goes to, goes to crap, I don't know what they have for options behind him. If they even really have options, they didn't play anybody else up here. Portillo was very good in both games. So. You know, that's the other concern that you have is is do they have another quality goaltender they can use if they have to? And I'm guessing Minnesota State looked like Minnesota State of recent years. They just don't have a lot of holes. You know, they, no. there's not a lot of things yeah. they can't do. They've got four lines. They've got three defensive pairings. Dryden McKay, you know, he he's just he's just Dryden McKay. You know, and I think part of the reason why he's so underrated is because people take it for granted now. He's just so good. He's so effective every single time he's out there. It's hard to, to get consistently get a lot of chances against him, and when he, you get those chances, he stops them. And that's kind of what makes Michigan's comeback all the more impressive is Minnesota State is such a good, strong, defensive-minded team. They're great in their own zone, and Michigan found a way to, to pop a couple in there in that third period. I certainly didn't think they were going to do that, and, and that's a credit to Michigan, but uh, that was, that's a phenomenal Minnesota State team. Mike Hastings always does things the right way. Uh, yeah, we got we got five pretty doggone good teams in this state, guys. Yes. And I and I don't want to dog St. Thomas. I think they're going to get a lot better this year. Rico's going to get them going. It's just going to take time. That that's a tough thing to try to try to build a D one program basically from scratch in the amount of time that they had to do it. 
But I, I think St. Thomas will eventually get there too. How about an all Minnesota frozen four Vigs? I mean, why not? Four Minnesota teams in the top five in the polls lately. They all deserve to be there. There's if you keep them all highly teams. ranked, they won't be in the same region. Because what was it? Your was your South Dakota region just a few years ago, Bruce? Uh, yeah, three, three teams <laughs> there. Yeah, and then Air Force, which was no slouch by the way either. So. No. <laughs> yeah, it's last year was neat, and you know how close we came to having an all Minnesota Frozen Four. It would be awesome if, if that could happen. Um, and find a way to, to make it work. And, uh, these are uh, these are heady times for Minnesota college hockey. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Viggs, I got something for you here. A little housekeeping. We got a, a question, a couple questions from our guy Tim Simplot that we didn't get to last week, and uh, it's kind of it's still relevant, definitely. So let's. I want to get to his questions. His first question regarding ticket sales. I know a lot of people want cheaper tickets. Would there be a stigma if the U were to universally lower ticket prices? I'm no expert, but it seems like you don't see a lot of pro or college teams lowering prices. You don't right now, and every dollar counts for the University of Minnesota, as I'm sure all college athletic departments are thinking. And and the fact is that the seats between the blue lines and the club room seats that are the most expensive, they don't have a hard time selling those tickets. If you look for tickets in those sections on mm-hmm. game night, especially for these games like St. Cloud and and Minnesota Duluth, and you know, some people think Notre Dame's not a big draw, but there's a lot of Notre Dame fans in the Twin Cities. Those tickets are all going to be sold, and they've tried to slash tickets in the corners and on the ends. Basically, you know, twenty, fifteen dollars group sales down to ten dollars a ticket, and people just aren't buying the tickets at that price. I know my youth hockey association got an email this week asking us if we wanted to buy group tickets, and there are games where we can get in for ten to ten dollars a kid. And people just aren't getting to that. I think there's a little bit of pandemic fatigue right now with people cautious about buying tickets. Even the Wild didn't sell out their home opener, I think, until almost puck drop. And, and maybe some of those tickets were distributed and not sold. So, you know, so that that that's a real factor. How's it going there up in Duluth, Bruce? Uh, we had roughly 2,400 unsold, I think, for the Bemidji game. But then it, it up a little bit last weekend for the icebreaker. Um, it's They weren't full, that's for sure. The mm-hmm. student section's full. We sold a record number of student season tickets this season. Uh, they've been at every one of the three home games, and they have been on their game each time, which has been awesome. It's been a great atmosphere, even though we've had a fair number of empty seats. Uh, this one is SRO on Saturday, though. Uh, they've already sold out all the seats, and they've begun selling standing room for Saturday night. And I know Minnesota has been overselling their student section because they've mm-hmm. they've been awesome so far at Marriott Arena. I know they sold about twenty five hundred seats to the students just this past game for St. Cloud, and I expect they'll be doing the same thing here for Duluth. Oh, here we go, our friend Amy. For comparison, what's the going rate? For non-blue line tickets for you and for both schools. You know, Vigs, for Minnesota, some of those games are you know, $50, $60, $70. Well, I think that's for the big games. For yes. For UMD and St. Cloud, when you're looking at most of the other games, it's going to be 20 20 30 bucks. You know, people don't want to compare that to the Minnesota Wild, but those same seats for the Wild games are like 150 bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, for the Blackhawks, it's 200 bucks for lower-level corners. So I I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think it's a lot of other things. Like, I know the parking's been a big deal for people around campus. So if you're coming to the game, don't try to show up at 645 and expect to get there for puck drop. Well, I definitely know that the average cost, you know, compared to other Big Ten schools, is higher if you go, if you just take, you know, the whole bowl into consideration. So, you know, I mean, we're for it was 40 bucks for the gopher game up here, flat number for every seat. So, and they're selling the standing room for the same price. I don't know how many of those they've gotten rid of today. That just went, uh, I think yesterday afternoon, they started selling those. So, you know, it's 40 bucks is about as high as it'll go here. I think they've gone 45 for some North Dakota games in the past, Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's about the ceiling at this point. I I haven't, uh, usually for us, it's, you know, 25 to 30 range, somewhere in there. 
the yeah, the average cost across the board for like just big ten games. Um, you know, I did a, a price thing. It looks like on average, Minnesota is nineteen dollars more expensive than every other Big Ten school. Wow. And and funny thing is is that Wisconsin is like one of the lowest. Their tickets range between twenty and twenty four dollars. <laughs> well, if you look at the crowd they had for Army last weekend, they probably should charge even less. <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean you know, let's just say Thursday night hockey at the Cole Center last week wasn't exactly a smashing hit. Oh boy! And, and boy, I felt bad. I mean, it's it stunk to see that because I, you know, I think I've told this story to you guys before. I, I've been in that building. You guys have probably been in that building when it's full. And, yes, and there is. There aren't a lot of buildings as great as the Cole Center when that thing gets packed and they got that students that three tier student section full, and that's a special college hockey atmosphere and. We were down there last, uh, well, not last season because we didn't go anywhere last season, but two years ago we went down there the Cole Caulfield's freshman year, that group, and um, they swept us. It was not fun, but they had, I mean, they had eight, eight 10,000 probably for each of those games. It was nice to see some life at the, back in that building and then to see the, uh, the pictures of the Army series last week. It was almost depressing. You know, the funny thing is, uh, Viggs is like, like we talked about, uh, the students have shown up. Yes, they've oversold it a bit, but uh, – it was weird to see that series, and the whole end was pretty full this past weekend. Yeah, it's, that, it's that's been a lot of seats. That's 1,500 seats? 1,500, 1,700 seats, and they, they're filling it. They're doing the same thing at the football games, too. So, you know, the students are, are anxious to support their teams. I'm expecting at Amsoil this weekend, we're going to see some rowdy, rowdy students showing up for warm ups and providing yep. an atmosphere for the visiting team that you just don't get in many places. You, uh, I can guarantee that's going to happen because it happened for Bemidji and it happened for Michigan and Providence already. <laughs> so uh, they will be there. They were uh, they were there last Saturday to gum up Michigan's team picture with the Icebreaker Championship trophy. So. <laughs> yeah, not the, I'm not going to advocate nor condone what they did, but uh, they did it. You know, people need to get over it. It's students, right? Well, They're having I, fun. I, you know what? They, told, yes, exactly. And as I told somebody. It's a lesson learned for whoever decided, let's take a picture in front of the other team's student section to not do that. <laughs> it's a bad idea every time. Well, or, we, it's a, or it's a memory. It's a memory. Or it's a memory. Yeah, it could be true, too. <laughs> well, before we get into the big home-and-home home series this weekend, we need to hear from our sponsor. Hey, fellow GPLers. Jerry Peters here from First Class Mortgage. Have you refinanced your home in the last 12 months? If you haven't, chances are you should. Record low interest rates and skyrocketing home values make this the perfect time to remove monthly PMI while improving your interest rate at the same time. You can also use the equity in your home to finance those home improvement projects. Or you can consolidate high interest rate credit cards into one new low monthly payment. To hear more, call or text me today at 612-940-3291. You can email me at jerry at firstclasscorp.com. Or you could go to firstclassmortgage.com to fill out a free online application. Mention the GPL podcast and receive a $300 closing cost credit. Some restrictions do apply. First Class Mortgage's NMLS number is 322842 minus 480200. This is not an agreement to lock into an interest rate under Minnesota law. First Class Mortgage is an equal housing lender. And, of course, we thank Jerry for uh, sponsoring the GPL podcast. Well, guys, here we go. Another home and home, Minnesota, Duluth, and Minnesota Golden Gophers. Um, I, I got to say right offhand, oh, Vig's already going with the beer of the week here. Wow. Good. Look at that. Well, hold on whoa, there, Vig. Let's give it Let's give it as a, a proper view here. There we go. Look at this that. This is the Ben Paddle <laughs> double shot, double black, barrel-aged beer. <laughs> this one's from... Uh, 2017 here so it's been sitting around for a while and because you know it's a special weeknight edition of uh gpl podcast at six let's go early cheers <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've got i got some pop here that's all that's I've water is really yeah. exciting <laughs> so um bruce i i gotta say I still hate the home and home. You know what? Uh, I love weekend there or weekend I, I, here. I completely understand your perspective. 
Um, but I've gotten to a point in my life where I enjoy the fact that I know that for the next two weeks, I'm sleeping in my own bed uh, every night. And so I'm not going to complain about, you know, driving down Friday, calling a game, driving back and sleep in my own bed afterwards. So I, I get the, I want the weekends. I, I understand that if it ever goes back to that, I'll, I'll be all in whatever. Um, I think our fans, there's probably a bunch that agree with you that, that would rather go down there for a weekend. And then have you guys come up next year for a weekend? But this is the this is the lot that we have right now, and it, it you know the number of home and homes that we've had of Bemidji. We have one of, with Minnesota State this year. You know, you guys almost every year it seems we play home and home. It, it seems like that's the direction it's going, and if, if that's what has to happen to make these games happen, I'm all for it. I'd, I'd rather play you know Bemidji and you guys in, in Minnesota State every year than be going out east. Well, Viggs, I think it's kind of selfish with guys like you and me because we loved going up there for the entire weekend and just making a big party of it. Yeah, I mean, Duluth is a great town to, to spend a whole weekend there. I, I understand it from the AD's perspective. They want these matchups on their season tickets to sell. Yep. They don't want yep. to have a year off where maybe yep. you know one year they, they have to travel and then they miss those two games and, and trying to figure out the schedule with all the teams, it gets challenging. I talked to Bob Bonsko about this uh, on Tuesday, asking him what he thought about non-conference scheduling. He's like, you know, it's too bad that we can't play every Minnesota team every year, so we have to rotate them through. And Bob said he does want to go out east once every four years. So I think that means he's going to be trying to fit that in because he thinks it's important for teams in Minnesota to travel out there. You know, if you play four years, you should go out there at least once. I agree with that, and, and Scott's been really good about that here, making sure that you know we've got some sort of a trip somewhere at least every other year. It's this is a rare year where I, I think for a number of different reasons, it's just the way the schedule worked out that we don't have any you know, air travel for a non-conference game. But it's been done before. I'm sure it'll be done again. I, I from a from a, a student experience standpoint, I get it. And then you throw in the pairwise ramifications, as we mentioned on Saturday. Providence is the only Eastern team UMB is going to play all season. So beating Providence could be very significant in the pairwise because, as you guys know, these non-conference games are huge to begin with. And when you start playing teams outside your region, those matter even more, it feels like. They definitely do. They, they definitely do. But, you know, we talk about that scheduling, Bees. Do you Have you heard anything about, uh, you, know, you know, with COVID and things kind of messing things up? I mean, how is that going to balance out for Minnesota? You know, they went to CC a couple of years ago. Or CC coming here? Uh, Alaska Fairbanks came in. Does that mean they want to go up there? Maybe get those extra games? Have you have you heard anything about that? I haven't heard anything yet, other than everything's still kind of in flux. You know, CC is <laughs> yeah. going through a coaching change uh, with Hamlet leaving and, and uh, Maylock coming in for them. So, you know, it, it's going to be up to those coaches to figure out how they want to manage their schedules. I think a lot of people are going to be going out to Arizona State the next couple of years once they get their rink built after they played that Big Ten schedule, basically. So, you know, they'll, they'll be figuring things out, and I'll be digging here eventually. For those of you uh, watching live on either Facebook or uh, YouTube, if you have any great questions for us, you know, just let us know. We'll try to get it up on the podcast, and we'll try to answer them. We've been trying to do that more. Um, I know we've got that second question from uh, Tim there. Let me get to it here, Viggs. Because, you know, we promised him, and he, he put his time and effort into it. He says, you mentioned that we'll likely lose some players to the junior tournament. I know it's early, but who do you think we lose? I have I have to think Lucius is an automatic, even though he hasn't played a game yet. But uh, who are we looking at for the juniors to be gone? I think Matthew Nyes is definitely going to be a player for the World Junior team. I think his came, coming out party started with the Summer Showcase. He really dominated mm-hmm. at that event and impressed USA Hockey. I think everybody was impressed with that performance. And then, of course, Brock Faber, who has probably been the most steady gopher defenseman this year. We talk about a lot of gophers losing their heads in, in Dinky Town for the games. Not Brock. He has been locked in and, and the most reliable player for them on the blue line. How's it looking for the Duluth side? Are you going to lose any guys this uh, Christmas time? Uh, great question. I would think that uh, I would think Wyatt Kaiser's got to be under some consideration there. I know Connor Kelly's uh, gotten some looks as well. He had a phenomenal second half last season, but you know Wyatt's always kind of been the uh, the headline guy from that freshman class last year, and he's off to a great start. I, I, I'm sure he'd like to contribute more offensively, but boy, he's been good defensively here. Him and Louis Rail have been a a very good top pair here in the first few games of the season. 
Let's get to the games, guys. What's going to happen this weekend? We've got the big ice on Friday. We've got the small ice on Saturday. You know, I think we should just go smaller ice and just go over to the deck for for that. Let's just go real small. <laughs> um, I don't know that I want to sit back in that press box again. I kind of like my spot now, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> That's actually a pretty good spot to be. It's it's a, a very, it's a great spot. You know, I, I noticed, you know, there and even, you know, you go to Ritter Arena at Mariucci. Just you're right on top of the ice there, so it's a good spot. Hockey wise, Vigs, what can we expect here this weekend? Let's start with you know the Friday game in, in uh, Mariucci. I think for Minnesota, it's cutting down on those turnovers. I know that UMD always plays a very disciplined game against Minnesota, and it can turn into that rock fight. You know, where each team gets the rock, puts it over the red line, puts it deep, tries to get the other team to make a mistake. Your goal, get that rock back, get to the red line, put it over their goal line, and try to make them make a mistake. I think what happens with Minnesota too often is the player gets that rock, and they're like, I could totally take that to the net. And the other team just counters it and goes the other way, and now all of a sudden you're chasing the game. So I think it's going to be key for Minnesota not to be tempted to chase offense because I think against St. Cloud on Friday night, they were doing a great job of staying patient with their game. They were getting scoring chances just from the flow of play allowing their talent to, to shine, and then they tie the game and somebody gets a little too creative, turns over a puck, St. Cloud gets the lead back. Minnesota has chances to maybe tie it up, but they never do. So I think that's a good lesson for them to be patient. And, and Bruce, that's kind of really the key is, was in even just college hockey itself, the mistakes. I mean, I think that's what makes college hockey a little more entertaining than maybe the pro level at times. It's, it's those mistakes that can really open up a game and really change a game that you don't see at the higher level. Yeah, that's, that's certainly a big part of it. And uh, UMD feasts on those mistakes, as, mm-hmm. as being said. And we've seen that for many, many years. And I know Scott Sandlin's preaching the same thing. He, he knows that the Gophers are going to pre, uh, prey on those mistakes as well. And, you know, the, the key is to, to move that puck north and, and make sure that, that it gets all the way north. And even if you can't get a great scoring chance, that you're making them go 200 feet with it. And, you know, they're going to, the Gophers are going to do a great job protecting the middle of the ice. And, and I think, you know, you, you got you got some guys on UMD that are great on the walls. And I know the big sheet, it, it doesn't feel like it matters as much. That puck ends up on the wall a lot. You still got to win possession over there. Mm-hmm. You know, good luck beating Noah Cates in one of those battles. <laughs> I, I think one of the big keys for Minnesota is to, is to keep the puck in safe spots. I think we heard from Brock Faber after the game on Friday. He's like, obviously St. Cloud did their pre-scout because they were on us at the points. They know that we get the puck and we want to walk it to the middle. Well, Friday night, they quickly learned that that was not going to be an option. Lacombe lost the puck on one of those situations. St. Cloud went down and score. I think you notice the rest of the weekend, the defensemen were much more cautious about when they took it to the middle, what they did with the puck, you know, after they had 15 shots blocked on Friday night, they were much more methodical working the puck down low and back to the wall and, mm-hmm. and getting into a lower cycle. So I think that's something to watch this weekend to see if Minnesota keeps doing that because I expect kind of a similar game plan from UMD. Oh, I don't have any doubt that's going to be the that's going to be the route that they try to go, and yeah, we'll see. We'll see who uh, it's a test of wills, right? We'll see. Uh, we'll yes. see who breaks first. We got a question for you there, Bruce. Anthony oh, Oberstar, do you think this is Biondi's, Biondi's, sorry, last season for the Bulldogs, or do you think he sticks around for another year? I think he sticks around for at least mm-hmm. another year. Um, keep in mind, he's his second year out of high school, so he's got a lot of developing to do. He's off to a very good start this season on that third line with Quinn Olson and Dominic James, but uh, there's, uh, there's more to get to with Blake Biondi, and I think you'll be seeing him doing that in a Bulldog uniform. All right, Viggs. Saturday night up at Amsoil. I still want to call it the deck, but uh, it's not tighter I ice for Minnesota. Call it Mariucci, but they tell me I got called Three M Arena. So I know ne- I never do it. I, know, I Vigo will. I never do. It's Mariucci to me. They and paid I, a lot of money for those rights. I know and, they but, did. They paid a lot of money, and I you know, I, it, I work at Three M. <laughs> <laughs> They could be paying you that money instead. Yeah, exactly. That's that's probably why you're doing it out of spite. <laughs> so, anyway, up to the up to Amsoil they go Saturday night. Um, we just learned this afternoon that that game is actually going to be on local TV. 
Uh, looks like Xfinity is going to put it up on there, you know, t- picking up the Duluth Bulldog broadcast on Xfinity 999, right up at the top there. So those people who have Xfinity, you can watch the games locally. Um, Bruce, you know what it's like for Minnesota fans now. I mean, they're used to TV every game. Yeah. And boy, once, you know, the leagues broke up and things changed, yeah, they don't. They all come to either me or the University of Minnesota. Why, why aren't these games on TV? Why aren't these games on TV? And they, it's like they just don't get it that uh, they they don't have the control they used to back in the WCHA days. Yeah. yeah it's, it's just a different time, right? I mean, the, you know, a game like this, the home team owns the rights. And, and it's not like it used to be where the home team might not be televising. And here comes Midwest Sports Channel with Frank and Tom and, you know, that take over your building for a couple of days and, and do the games. It, those days have, have come and gone. And, you know, now it's it's up to the local people. And, you know, we've got a – UMD's got a good TV partner that, that most of their road games end up on TV as well, which is nice. But uh, it's not a perfect system. I mm-hmm. certainly understand that. I, 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 I've seen a lot of complaints on Twitter about it. I would love for the day that, that these conferences could all come together and come up with some sort of a package where, you know, if we're going to play Big Ten teams, let's make it easier for our fans to find the game to the Big Ten buildings and vice versa. Um, I'd love to see a day like that. I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but, you know, we have what we have right now. And uh, what I do know is that the Gophers have played, will have played five straight games on the Big Ice heading into Saturday. And... I have a feeling that the home team will try to run them off the rink a little bit in the early part of that game, you know, physical, more style, and, you know, make those defensemen feel every puck they have to go retrieve. You guys know how it is. And, oh, yeah. It's gonna, it, again, it's, it, it'll end up being a test of wills because I've said this before, there aren't a lot of coaches of, of teams that play on big sheets that do a better job getting their team ready to play on the small sheet than Bob Motzko. He'll have them set to go. They will be prepared. If the Gophers don't play well Saturday, it will not be his fault. Viggs, going on part of that there, you know, with the TV and whatnot, you know, some of, that, some of it has to do with the old romance of the WCHA, Midwest Sports Channel, Fox Sports North, the, the Final Five. I, I think I really think it got big because of the television, because of how that all came together. Um, and it just seems like some people just haven't adjusted yet. Well, in the absence of the NHL made college yep. hockey the big thing. It was just the right time. You know, Minnesota moved to the big rink, big crowd. It was the big show in town, and you could just plan on it. I think the landscape has changed quite a bit. But uh, I, I really enjoy the college game, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how Minnesota responds on the smaller rink this weekend. I know the last couple of years, it almost seems like Minnesota's been a better team on the smaller yes. sheets. I think Bob has kind of changed the, the moxie of his squad to, to be a better battle team and to play more of a ground game. I think the big question mark, as Bruce was alluding to, is how do Minnesota's defensemen react to getting pounded on every puck retrieval? You know, that's probably the hardest play in hockey is to, to pick up that puck knowing you're going to get plastered against the plexi. So that'll be that'll be fun to watch. And that's part of what makes this series and this rivalry so fun to watch and why so many eyeballs were on it in the old WCHA games. Is because these players are, are really going to be going after it. It means a lot to them. Well, coaching has changed because I remember back in the day uh, when, when Donnie was with the with the Gophers and you know Scotty Owens out at CC. I mean, we would long to have those teams come in our building. You know, and granted, the deck was an even smaller sheet of ice uh, back in the day, but they would love those days because exactly that these defensemen have never had this kind of physical play brought to them before. And, you know, especially with Colorado College, it felt like it didn't matter how good those teams were. They'd come in, they'd come in here, we'd be snot out of them every time because of exactly that. All we had to do was play physical. They didn't know what to do. You know, the Gophers were a different animal because they were so gosh darn talented every single year, it felt like. You know, some of those teams didn't respond as well to it, but most of them did, and that's why they were as good as they were. All right, guys, let's get some predictions for the weekend. Uh, last weekend, though, Pat McAletty picked the home Teams would lose, and he was correct. <laughs> I, I was going to do the same thing. I'm like, he kind of stole my thunder, but that, that fully credit to Pat McAletty for picking uh, the road teams winning both games this past weekend, even though one was in overtime. Um, I, I, I think it's going to be a little different this weekend. I'm kind of predicting more of the home teams winning, Viggs. Let's get your thoughts. 
I kind of feel like the Gophers might be finding their stride a little bit. I thought they Ooh. played two really good games against St. Cloud, but the turnovers were the reason why they, they lost the games. You know, I felt like they pretty much gave away four goals this past weekend. Otherwise, I didn't see St. Cloud really take the pace of play to Minnesota other than there was a stretch a little bit during the second period on yeah. on Friday night, and there were a couple you know shifts here and there where there were opportunities. But I don't think they gave St. Cloud very much to deal with the whole weekend with the puck. And I think they got themselves in trouble. I kind of feel like they're going to take that and build on that. And I think uh, the Bulldogs are going to have their hands full this weekend as the Gophers probably are going to pull out two in my mind. Ooh. Sweep. Vig's being brave there. All right, Bruce. Your rebuttal. It's the beer, it's the beer talking. Um, <laughs> uh, it's I delicious. Think, uh, but- I'm sure it is. Uh, I think the home teams are both going to win this weekend, uh, but one of the games is going to go overtime, so somebody is winning the season series, which might mean a whole heck of a lot come March. <laughs> but I'm not telling you which team's winning the season series. Because I don't I, have any idea. <laughs> I, I do but think I, we see power plays this weekend. I think these two teams are going to be feisty with each other, and I think that advantage might go to Minnesota a little bit because that Myers unit – is the best power play unit I've seen from Minnesota for a while. I would agree. I think UMD's power play right now is, a, to be kind, it's a work in progress. It's not off to a great start. It didn't have a strong finish last year. There's a lot of moving parts in there right now. I think they're still trying to figure out where all the pieces fit. So I, I do think that there's a special teams advantage potentially for the Gophers, although I will say UMD's penalty kill from what I've seen so far, and they've been very disciplined for the most part, but it's vastly improved from what we saw last year. And part of that is last year, you know, they talked about it. We, I talked to Scott during the summer even, and, and they felt like there were a lot of bounces that didn't go their way when they're killing penalties. And, you know, it ended up being statistically not a great season for the penalty kill, but they felt like they did you know, a lot of the things that they wanted to do on the kill. And they've got a ton of experience back on the kill with Cates and Ladderoot and Colby Roth and, you know, the defensemen all being back basically from last season. So I do think UMD's kill can hold up against just about anybody, but they're behind the eight ball when it comes to special teams right now, because I don't know what they're going to get out of the power. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing to, to Viggs, you know, Minnesota has been pretty disciplined except for, you know, a little bit uh, Saturday night. Uh, they're one of the more least penalized teams. Yep, but does, it, but does that change with the rivalry and things heating up? I, I think that's kind of a Moscow trait is not to take too many penalties. Okay. You know, he wants to get his team on the power play, and, and this team seems a little bit more disciplined for the most part. You know, I think some of the penalties they took were either phantom calls, like the water penalty. I, I still don't understand how that was a call. And then the Myers penalty is just a battle going back and forth, you know, and that, that's going to happen sometimes. And I, I think, you know, honestly, it. that's hockey. That's hot. How many how many times does some guy do something stupid? The ref doesn't see it. The other guy re- responds, and he's the one who goes. It, that's just hockey, unfortunately, on that one. And just, it's just discipline. Just leading up to that Myers penalty, you probably could have called four or five other penalties <laughs> leading up to that call. That shift was just starting to get to that level of animosity where someone was going to do something that maybe got over the line, and the ref goes, hey, I can't let this keep going on. I'm calling that one. You think the NCHC referees might be doing a little makeup this weekend there, Bruce? Gosh, I hope not. I hope I, not, too, but it's like no, the, just, you can I see something. It's like, oh, we eh, Minnesota got a huge break last week because they're human. They are. Right. That is human nature would, would indicate that you have to talk yourself out of doing exactly that, right? Mm-hmm. And I get that. I, I hope that they're able to. I hope that these games are, are played cleanly by both teams and, you know, let's all play hard and have fun, but at the same time, let's not do anything stupid. And, and you know, I, I would not mind if these games were played largely a five-on-five five in most part, for most part, I think, because I, I like UMB more at five-on-five right now. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think stay out of the box is a big point of emphasis for UMB this weekend, which means the Gophers probably have to stay out of the box because, you know, if the Gophers can't stay out of the box, UMB's going to find it too. That's just mm-hmm. how it works. Yeah, you know, you're not going to have a seven to one penalty disparity in either no. of these games. It's just, that's just not how hockey's played nowadays. Mm-hmm. Well, Viggs, what are you working on recently? Uh, we're going to be coming up with a little feature on Cal Dietz and how he's impacting the Gophers' strength conditioning. It might might not be this week here, but pretty soon you'll be able to find that in Gopher Puck Live. 
And Bruce, how many years is this you calling Bulldog Hockey? This is year 17 that somehow wow. they're still putting up with me. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know how this happened, but I'm just going to keep riding the wave. Well, I definitely look forward to seeing you Friday night. I'm coming down Friday night for the game. You coming down, Vase, for the game? I'll be there Friday. I've got a little bit of mic practice before, but I, I will be there. Uh, anxious to hear uh, Eric Shearhorn make his radio debut rival yes. uh, Bruce this weekend. So All right. Frank, yeah, want to check that out. Yeah, Frank Mazzacco is, a, I believe, his daughter is getting married this weekend, so he's oh, missing the entire her. weekend. So cool. Eric Shearhorn's going to fill in uh, Friday night. And uh, who's Gigi filming? Marvin will be coming. Gigi up to Marvin, Duluth. there you go. Saturday That's night cool. up in Duluth. So uh, awesome. And actually, we've got uh, Eric scheduled to be on the podcast next week, so we'll have to see how that went for him. It's well, look at your name dropping. I like it. I know. We do it once in a while here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Bruce, thanks for coming on the show. We always appreciate you, and it's nice to see you now that we kind of do with more of a video podcast. It's uh, it's nice to be seen. I'll do this anytime you guys want, and I look forward to seeing you in the flesh this weekend at Mariucci, or 3M, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> 3M. Well, what is the exact one, Viggs? 3M Marina at Mariucci? 3M Marina at Mariucci. <sighs> I suppose I should probably get that right if I'm going to be on the radio Friday, right? Probably. It's good to be official. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike me. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this episode of the GPL podcast. Of course, we'd like to thank Bruce for coming on the show this week. And like I said, we've got Eric Shearhorn lined up next week to be on the show. For those of you currently watching live on YouTube and on Facebook, we're going to have a very short overtime. Um, and, and that's about it. And uh, But for the rest of you, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.